It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. Here on the Sports Rush, I'm Glenn Marini from Wayne TV, sitting in for Brett Rump, who's on the road with the Mastodons as they get ready to take on Wright State tomorrow in Dayton, if you speak French. Uh, let's talk a little bit about college basketball, my man. Last, uh, yesterday, it came out. It was the news. Zach Eady relaying to Matt Painter, who relayed on a podcast, that he is not going to exercise his COVID year. He could have come back and played one more season. He is not going to do that. You wouldn't have expected him to. Do. It didn't seem like really big news, although everybody on the Twitter sphere seemed to freak out like, oh, this is a big deal. <laughs> I did not. Did anyone expect Zach Eady to come back for another season? No. 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 No matter even what happens in the tournament this year, I think he's done with college basketball. I've never seen a guy get beaten to smithereens in the post. I don't think he wants to go through another Big Ten season without getting paid a million bucks. Uh, to take on uh, who was it? Was it Minnesota that yeah. brought in that big dude that was the football player to just just beat on Zach Eady for a while? Yeah, I mean that doesn't seem like it's fun. No, but uh, yeah, that's definitely Big Ten basketball. A lot of rough and tough stuff down low, especially when you're a seven foot four guy who has to be constantly doubled and hacked to stop him from doing anything. But uh, yeah, not the biggest surprise ever. Definitely, I think he, especially after he tested the waters last year, kind of found himself. You know, already in the second round, I think he realized that he just needed one more season to just mm -hmm. kind of figure out where he's at and improve, him, improve his stock a little bit and see what he can do with the Boilermakers for one more season this year. So, seven foot four, a bit under 300 pounds. He lost a little bit of weight in the offseason. He said he wanted to get more mobile. He did that, lost about, shut it about 10 pounds. Um, but at seven four, one of the more physically imposing guys we've seen. Uh, last year, about this time, I headed over with our photographer, J.R. Carmichael. We went over to Purdue, went to a practice uh, at Mackey Arena, talked to Caleb first, talked to Fletcher Lawyer, and uh, obviously Zach Eady was there. Yeah. And he was larger than everyone. <laughs> so I started to think about who are some of the biggest, most impressive guys that I've ever come up to physically uh, in the 22 years of, of covering sports. Zach Eady... He would not make my top three. He's he's big, but he's proportionate. Like when you like they say about Shaq, like you know, it's yeah. not like his arms are super long or his legs are super long. Like Manute Bowl, oh. like when you look at him from far away and you're like, yeah, something, <laughs> something's up there. Yeah, uh, Zach's proportionate. Honestly, if I was thinking of a guy that looked more impressive in person, it was Isaac Haas. Mm. And ha Haas was seven two. But for some reason, like his arms were longer and he just, he looked like a giant. He had those big, really broad shoulders. Yes. I think that might be it. They kind of just stuck out of the jerseys like two boulders. <laughs> yeah. And and it was funny because Haas was on a team when he was younger with A.J. Hammonds. Now, A.J. Hammonds is not a small man. No. A.J. Hammonds was a full seven foot and he was thick too. 
Uh, but I remember being at an IU Purdue game on the north sideline is where, or the north uh, baseline, excuse me. That's where all the plugins for TV was. We were doing live shots and everything before the game, and they're warming up. And Hammonds is right there as they're doing layup lines and everything like that. And I was like, man, that's a that's a large individual. And then Haas stands right next to him, and his <laughs> shoe had to be like three inches longer. And they were like, yeah, Hammonds wears 15s. I was like, what is Hosmer? They're like 22 <laughs> triple E or something. And I was like, oh, my God. He dwarfed A.J. Hammonds. Oh. And I was like, this guy is one of the largest human beings that I've ever seen. And he is only 7'2". I don't know, Edie's 7'4". But somehow it wore different on Isaac Haas. Dude was a beast. So I'm going to go through my top three most physically impressive athletes that I've seen. Uh, number three. This may surprise you. Yasiel Puig. Ooh, okay. Like, don't, people don't think baseball players, right? Yeah. But we were in, uh, we did a story with Van Meter, uh, when he was with the Reds. Mm-hmm. And we were in the locker room after the game, and everybody was just chilling. They were about to take, it was like a Wednesday game. They were about to take a cross country flight. Um, so they had some time to kill. Um, and Puig comes in, and he's got, he's stripped everything down. You can't really tell in baseball uniforms, although there is the new uniforms you're going to be oh, able to yeah. tell. They're a little see through. <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan, and neither are the players. But oh. Weed comes in in just like his Under Armour and like sliding shorts, and he had slides on and was going to the shower and fully clothed. That. But I was like, I did not know he, baseball players looked like that. He was <laughs> ripped, unbelievably so. And then you see the pictures later, and you're like, oh, yeah, you just really. Can't tell that he's that thick. I mean, he was unbelievably strong, and it showed in his game. I mean, he could hit the ball a mile. Uh, had some other issues, but Yasiel Puig, I mean, it was just double take. Number two, Eddie George. Mmm, okay. Yeah. Going a little back. First, uh, first job I had was a small station in Kentucky, and we went to all the Titans camps and home games. And Eddie George, one of the nicest star athletes I've ever met. Super nice guy. But you forget that he was six four. <laughs> like running backs are generally five ten built, right. but five ten. Six feet is relatively tall for a running back. Dude was six foot four, and when he had like a dress shirt on, it looked like it was on a hanger. <laughs> he had traps that were like when he would get up at the podium, it looked like it was a hanger. And he had the shaved head and he, he looked like an alien had <laughs> created him like that's what he looked like and you see him in the locker room and you're like he was so tall and so muscular and and like he towered above uh the rest of the guys in that position group eddie george for sure and i'll tell you this eddie george would do an interview with you like we were this small podunk station i made 14 grand a year in that first job (laughs) we had play school cameras i mean we were obviously not big time um but you would get at his locker and be like hey man can we do an interview? He's like, oh, let me shower. Let me get my clothes on. Let me do this, and I'll do it. And he would circle back, and he would do it. Like He, awesome. knew, he knew no one's going to see this interview. Right. But, you know, like I said, I was, I was 20 years old, looked like I was about 16. <laughs> and at that time, I was 21. And it was I couldn't believe that he would still do it. And he really did. He was genuinely a great dude. Mike Nutter would love that, Ohio State Buckeye guy. But, yeah, Eddie George, one of the nicest guys uh as far as stars that we've ever met. And then number one, this is this is this is big time. Lennox Lewis. Hey! If you've ever seen the movie Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> that is what Lennox Lewis Lennox Lewis was six five, right? Right. And he fought Tyson. Tyson, people forget Tyson's short, five nine, five ten, but obviously 
stacked, ripped, right? Mm-hmm. But Lennox Lewis, I remember it was a fight at the pyramid. Uh, it was, I believe, Bernard, the executioner Hopkins, um, versus uh, the name is escaping me because I was in Arkansas at the time. Um, and there was a title fight there, middleweight bout, and Lennox Lewis was calling it on HBO with like Jim Lampley. And he was standing in the doorway of the media room in a full suit, full dreadlocks, predator style. And he took up the entire doorway sideways. I mean, just a barrel chest. I can't, even as Mike Tyson, I can't imagine fighting that man in a ring. (laughs) Like, it seemed like such a bad idea. Uh, Lennox Lewis, there he is. Number one most physically impressive athlete that I have seen in my 22 years of, of television sports impressive very impressive i'll throw out one that's kind of a uh kind of left field but uh when he was playing in the then d league before it became the g mm-hmm. league uh sim Bular. Hmm. very oh. very tall guy very wide very just uh very intimidating i would say <laughs> who was he playing for oklahoma city i i wouldn't be able to tell you honestly but he was at the uh he was at the coliseum for a, a mad ants game back in the day and uh doing kind of the post-game, hanging out, signing autographs and everything. Yeah. But really tall guy, really big guy, definitely was uh, utilized for his size when he was in the league. There you go. There you have our list. There you go. There you have our list. <laughs> uh, Purdue, we, were, we started off talking about Zachy. I don't know, we, we got a little off topic talking about this. Uh, we got <laughs> Jesse Kalicki coming up to talk comments here uh, about 520 past the hour. So uh, if you're a K's fan, definitely want to stay tuned for that, especially because they're kind of riding a hot streak right now. You know, you thought last week after they got a couple guys called up late in the week, it was going to be a tough one to go on the road. They win two, especially against Toledo on Sunday, who's been their ne- always a rival but really a nemesis this season and has been a cut above uh, in the Central Division this year. So it was nice to see the Comets get a road win against Toledo. We'll talk to Jesse about that. Um, But when you take a look at Purdue, man, they've got Saturday, Michigan State. That's a home game. It's going to be crazy. They can clinch. uh, I believe it's at least a share of the Big Ten title. Uh, Tuesday at Illinois. And then Sunday against Wisconsin, the following Sunday against Wisconsin. They're not exactly easing into the Big Ten tournament because I think Michigan State has underachieved a little bit this year, but I never put, you know, Tom Izzo, no. coach team. You wonder when they're going to. The young guys haven't quite clicked yet. Right. Uh, Jeremy Fears Jr. or Xavier Booker it hasn't clicked for them yet. I don't bet against Tom Izzo late in the season, though, especially in the tournament. I know he's had a little bit of a rough run recently, but Tom Izzo knows what he's doing. Illinois, I really like. Yeah. Illinois, I really like. And now that they've got their whole team, you got Coleman Hawkins now stepping out, hitting threes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got the connection with Luke Goody, so I've kind of kept like, an eye on them a little bit more than normally I would. Uh, but I really like their team. Uh, Brad Underwood's done a nice job keeping it all together um, when Shannon was out. And now that they've started to mesh back together, I think they're a real dangerous team. Um, when the tournament runs around, I don't know that anybody's saying they're not. No, that's not exactly a hot take. <laughs> uh, and then Wisconsin has kind of fallen on hard times. You wonder if they'll get it back. Um, but you know, they'll be playing to improve their stock for seeding in the NCAA tournament. Um, even though they've, they've fallen pretty hard. I assume that they're in unless things absolutely, the wheels absolutely fall off the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, especially how hot as they were earlier in the year. Um, and it'd be nice to see our guy Connor Asijan. I know he's kind of been, he's had some injuries and then other guys have played well. I mean, AJ Store, guys have played well. Um, 
but I'd love to see Connor get things going, especially before the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully, obviously, for the Badgers, the NCAA tournament. We got a lot of local guys doing some good stuff. Um, as far as Comets talk, that's coming up again at 520 with Jesse Kalicki. But uh, what about these PFW Mastodons? Yeah. I want to ask because whenever I hear this show on the radio, I feel like I can't. I, I'm going to hear a John Contra reference, right? <laughs> yeah. Or a John Kaufman reference. One or the other. Um, so when you take a look at this team, 13 and 2 to start the season, and it's been a little bit rougher since then. Mm-hmm. Nine and nine in conference. I think the big key for them is that they. <laughs> They really want to get in those top five seeds. I mean, because if you're not in the top five seeds, you're going to have to play an extra game. And with this PFW team, I honestly think they can beat anybody, and they have. They've beaten Oakland. They can honestly beat anybody in this conference, but they can also honestly lose to anybody in this conference. And they've proven that with the IUPUI loss at home. So it's kind of uh, what are you going to get on any given night? And so they've got to figure some things out over the next couple of games. Uh, currently eighth out of 11 teams in the Horizon League. Again, the top five gets by, get buys. Uh, the, the game against Milwaukee last Sunday certainly didn't help. They gave up 96 points in that game. Um, I know interior defense has been a problem. They don't have a lot of height. Uh, they're giving up, oh gosh, last time I checked, they were getting out-rebounded by about seven rebounds a game. They make that up on the other side in A, they take good care of the basketball. They don't turn it over. But B, they also create a lot of turnovers with steals and with quickness and the number of perimeter guys they've got. Um, but the way that it looks so far, I don't think they're as good as that 13-2 and record would have suggested. But I don't think they're as bad as we've seen perhaps at times over the last month or month and a half. I think the early part of the season had a lot to do with the schedule um, and how well they came out of the gate is a testament to John Kaufman because they lost all five starters and uh, it just seemed like they hit the ground running. And he talks about, and I'm sure Brett has talked about this and John has probably talked about this on the show, but all the things they, the, the trip they take in the off season, um, this one was to Europe, I believe last off season and it really gelled the team and they were on the same page from day one, but it's hard to carry that momentum over and really, the first game where you start to saw, see some of the cracks was the Pitt game. Pitt's an ACC team, a mid-level ACC team. But the problem was that you know you're starting a six foot eight center, and your number four is six foot four. Now Anthony Roberts can jump out of the gym, and we saw him shoot the three ball uh, well last Friday when he had 31 points. But the fact of the matter is they don't have a lot of size, and the Pittsburgh big guys made them pay for it. Average average big dudes in the ACC, but they had kind of a field day in that game. And that's where you saw, maybe this is the blueprint. IUPY did the same thing. Uh, they would cut into the post and and use the advantage of height on them, even though they were not as talented as PFW did. The game plan was there. The blueprint was there for what you have to do to beat this team. So I think you just uh, the next couple of games are going to be crucial to gaining some momentum for the postseason. Again, it, they're probably going to have to play four games. And like I said, they can beat anybody in this conference, but they could lose to anybody in this conference. So what team is going to show up? That's going to be the question. I, I will say you lose all five starters. I, I've been amazed over the last two years how little time these guys have lost due to injury. Like, have you ever, have you looked at that? Like, yeah. Last year, every starter 
All five starters started every single game except one. That was Jared Godfrey being suspended for the Michigan game mm-hmm. to start the season for some off-season shenanigans, from what I understand. But they didn't miss a start due to injury last year, and they haven't again this season. They have got to be the healthiest team. and I want to know what they do to be so darn healthy. It's been impressive. That's one of the craziest stats to me is they have not missed injury games. That doesn't mean guys haven't gotten injured. It doesn't mean guys haven't twisted an ankle or been sore, but they've done a great job. And they, the number one, as we talk in sports, the number one ability is availability. And the starters for John Coffin have been available the last two years. And that has been a key to their success. All right, we're going to talk with Jesse Kalicki coming up after the break as the Comets get ready to go down the home stretch. About a month and a half left of the season looking to make a playoff push. We'll chat with the first-year head coach of the K's. Coming up after the break, you're listening to The Fan 1380. All right, I, I must make a correction. Eric Mulder did miss a game, right? Cleveland State? Yep. Early in yep. the season. So there, there is one game missed. Just one. Uh, just one. Just one. I don't know how that, that got through. My mind is like a sieve. Um, and speaking of, maybe he was under the weather for that game. And, and you know, speaking of being under the weather, uh, Jesse Kalicki, the Commons head coach, joins us now. And coach, I, I hear you're battling a cold, but uh, hockey guys are tough, so so you're here joining us now, correct? Yeah, my my wife would probably disagree that I'm toughing this one out, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, this one's got me uh, this one's got me pretty good. So I'm, I'm doing my best, but appreciate you guys having me on. Well, I would think you're in a better mood based on what we saw last weekend. You guys, uh, you guys go to Wheeling, you win on Friday night, then you go to Toledo on Sunday. They kind of had your number this season, and you come up with a big victory at their place. Just how good are you feeling about the way that the team has been playing right now? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a great weekend for, for our group, and, um, you know, we, we had some adversity the past probably 10 days or so with, with the amount of guys we've had called up, and, uh, a lot of overturn on our roster and bringing in some new guys. And, um, you know, we kind of went into this weekend as a staff and, and not knowing exactly what to expect. And, uh, we got some great performance in some of the guys and, um, you know, really, really happy, but, uh, we got to keep it going now moving into this weekend. Yeah. Really, you know, when I take a look at some of the moves that you guys made, Corcoran and Keppen, I think I called up pretty little, you maybe had an idea that they were going up. But they got called up relatively late in the week. So how did you guys pivot from there to get some new bodies in and to refresh this roster to the point where you could win, you know, two games in three days against good competition? Yeah, it was, uh, I, I didn't know actually we lost, uh, you know, we lost Berglund, we lost Keppen, um, and then we lost Corcoran uh, on top of losing Wedman, um, you know, about 10 days before that. So, uh, for us, it was, I found out Wednesday night, uh, on, on those guys and we were leaving Thursday for wheeling. Um, so we, we, we got on the, got on the phone and, uh, found some guys and, and actually one of them, uh, flew to meet us in wheeling. Uh, so he met the team, you know, probably about two hours before the game. That was, uh, Griffin Fox. Uh, so we met the team about two hours before the game and played and then, um, we had a defenseman get hurt uh, in that that game. Martin Haas got hurt, uh, so we had to we had to bring in another guy who drove down from uh, Guelph, Ontario, to meet us in Toledo. Uh, so again, another guy that just just met everybody about two hours before the game, and 
um, it's not easy. Those aren't easy circumstances, and uh, really proud of our group and, and how they handled it. And um, you know, I thought those guys played really well. You know, especially considering the circumstance. Yeah, what is it that you guys maybe? Figured out against Toledo on Sunday because you know they've they've kind of been the team to beat in the Central Division this year. When you guys won on Sunday, like what do you take away from that game that you can? Because hopefully you're in the postseason and you play them at some point in the near future, in the next month and a half when the playoffs start. Like what do you what do you take away from a game against Toledo where you guys were able to come up with a win? Yeah, I mean I think for us, you know, it was we we, we knew. You know, we knew we could beat Toledo, and um, you know we've had a lot of really close games against them. Just unfortunately, it's for whatever reason or whatever the bounce or, or you know the situation we we were on the wrong end, and um, we felt like they were beatable, and we felt like we did the right things. And um, you know, for us, I think it was uh, it was good for our group to to just go out there and, and execute the game plan and. Um, take advantage, you know, and, and to go into Toledo and, and win a game, I think that's a good confidence boost, too, because it's a tough building to play in, and um, I thought our guys handled it really well. So for us, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll take some confidence out of it and um, hopefully be able to carry that forward into, uh, you know, going back there again this Friday. Uh, you know, I've gotten a chance to talk to you a couple times over the course of the season and do some some one-on-one interviews. Um, you know, you and your wife moved into, I think, the Leo area, if if I'm not mistaken. Have you had a chance to finally get a little Fort Wayne in you and go out and explore <laughs> some some of the greatness that the Summit City has to offer? Oh man, you you guys are gonna kill me. I uh, <laughs> I honestly, during the year, I'm so uh, uh, there's just so little time. We uh, you know, I did go down to, uh, I went down to, uh, the landing, uh, her, her okay. family came down, her family came down two weeks ago and, and we were down in the landing. We had dinner down there. I thought that was, uh, that was great. Um, but I'm, uh, I definitely have my plans this summer to, to get around town and, um, you know, definitely want to get to a tin caps game and, uh, you know, really get to experience more Fort Wayne this summer when, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, Hopefully, uh, as we're carrying a cup around town. Hopefully so. Uh, you're, I, I consider you semi-Hoosier at this point, though. Like, people, obviously, they hear you talk. They know you're from Canada, right? But your, par- yeah. your parents, because of your dad's job, moved to Indianapolis like 10 years ago. So uh, the Calakies are, are almost like Hoosiers by proxy at this point. Are they not? Yeah, we've uh, actually, yeah, my wife and I, we... Uh, we spent uh, we spent our summers in, in Indianapolis when uh, when I was still playing and um, you know we would go to wherever whatever city I was in that year playing and then we would uh, we would spend our summers in Indianapolis and that was you know even before we were married so um, you know my wife and I we we love Indiana it's uh, you know it's it's a, it, we spent a lot of time here my family um, obviously. Uh, with my parents being here and, and being Hoosiers now for, for I think it's been 12 years now. So, um, you know, we're, it, it's pretty cool and pretty special to, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, be in, be in the Hoosier state and be a part of it um, and have my family around as well. Yeah, and kind of the cool thing is the Comets opened this season, your first season as a head coach on the road in Indianapolis. So you had, like, family in the stands already. Like, you, you, were, you were stacking the, stacking the pond um <laughs> yeah 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 that was that was cool the you know having uh 
I think we had like 70 people there. Oh my God. Uh, 70 people? 7 yeah. 0? That's yeah, impressive, yeah, man. 70. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty neat having, uh, you know, having that many, you know, a lot of my parents, friends and stuff, but it was, uh, it was really cool, you know. For that's that's certainly uh, a win that uh, a win that I won't ever forget. For you, if there's one thing that has surprised you uh, about being a head coach in the ECHL your first season, like what did you maybe not anticipate, or maybe just not think about, or did not know heading into this season that comes up when you start to think about, huh? I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you know I gotta. I obviously had really good mentorship and in, in uh, you know in, in Brad Ralph in Florida, but I would say the one thing, um, maybe not as a head coach, but I would say in in the Central Division, um, the schedule, the, the schedule in this division is uh, it's an absolute grind, um, and that's something you know usually in my experiences in the South Division, a lot of times you play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and you'll play the same opponent. Um, and generally you're in the same city. So you'll, you know, you'll get there Monday or Tuesday, play Wednesday, off day Thursday, play Friday, Saturday, travel Sunday. And, um, what I've learned and, and my experience this year in, in Fort Wayne and in the Central Division is, you know, we're playing usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, uh, a lot of times that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday in three different cities, um, with travel via bus. Um, three different opponents that you have to prepare for, uh, three different game times. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't think people realize, uh, you know, how big of a grind it is on these players physically um, and and emotionally, you know, just what they deal with um, in terms of just travel on top of having to play uh, grinding games. Well, you're exactly right. Three games in three days in three different cities at Toledo this Friday versus Wheeling Saturday and then versus the Indy Fuel on Sunday. I guess those two games are at home, so not three different cities, but three different teams in three different nights is what uh, the comments have on tap for this weekend. Coach, we appreciate the time. Get some chicken soup or uh, my, uh, some Gatorade. My wife always like stirs the <laughs> bubbles out of the 7-Up because um, she says I'm a baby when I'm sick. Um, but definitely best of luck, and it's been it's been fun watching your team evolve over the course of the season. Hey, cool. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, go Comets. All right. Go Comets. Uh, we're going to be talking with Adam Lundy. He's going to have a news sports update coming up after the break. That was obviously Jesse Kalicki, head coach of the Comets. we got much more here on the Sports Rush coming up on the backside of this break. Hey, welcome back to 1380 The Fan right here for Wayne Sports Station. I'm Glenn Marini in for Brett Rump, who is traveling with the Mastodons. Uh, we talked a little bit about Mastodon basketball earlier in the show and just got off with Jesse Kalicki as the Comets prepare for three games in three days this coming weekend. That includes home games on Saturday and Sunday at the Jungle, 7.30 on Saturday, 5 o'clock on Sunday, as they'll take on Wheeling and the Indy Fuel Saturday and Sunday. That's after being at Toledo on Friday. Of course, they beat the Walleye last Sunday, so they're feeling pretty good. Snapped a four-game losing streak, one, two in a row. Did that both on the road. They'll be home for two or three this weekend, and about a month and a half left in the regular season. Comets uh, right about uh, tight for fourth with Kalamazoo at 57 points in the standings. The only problem with that is the Case have played 53 games. Kalamazoo's only 50, so a couple three games in hand right there. 
the good news is that all three of the teams that they're playing this weekend are ahead of the Comets in the standings. So a prime weekend, especially at the Jungle, to make up some ground in the ECHL standings. Obviously, you want to finish in the top four so that you make the postseason. And Jesse Kalicki would love to do that his first season here with the Comets. Now, Adam, you're wearing a Knicks hat. Yeah. You're wearing a Knicks hat. I am. In the great state of Indiana. Uh, when I was growing up, it was like Reggie Miller versus Spike Lee Classic. in the garden. That was Dale Davis was my all-time favorite uh, favorite Pacers player. There you go. Just a banger in the post, my man. Six oh, yeah. foot ten. Rick Smiths wanted to be seven four, but mm. shoot jumpers from fifteen feet. Somebody had to do the dirty work. Blue collar. <laughs> and it was Dale Davis. That was that was my dude. Um but the the Knicks involved in a little bit of controversy last night against the Pistons with a no call at the end. If you've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, did not call a foul, and then the Knicks end up winning. And the Pistons asking for it to be reviewed. Oh, what is going on, man? How do you how do you view that as a Knicks fan? Um, you know, honestly, we got away with one. We got away with a foul that should have been called. Uh, to me, it did look like the ball was loose when Osar Thompson, he he started to dribble it. He kind of lost control a little bit, and then, and then I think Dante dove for it. And technically, two players are allowed to dive after loose balls if it is considered loose. It's just based on your definition if Osar had control or not. Uh, but even if it was just a, a two guys going for a loose ball, Dante was definitely a little bit aggressive mm. uh, going towards the leg. So it could be a loose ball foul. Definitely got away with one. But, uh, you know, Knicks have also been uh, the victim of some bad calls, too. There was a game against the Rockets right before the All-Star break that saw uh, Jalen Brunson get called for a three-point foul. That ended up losing the game for the Knicks because the Rockets went to the line with time expiring. So, you know, that's just that's just kind of the name of the game. Sometimes there's going to be bad calls. I mean, I, I saw the two-minute report saying that there were also calls on the Pistons in the last minute of the game that should have been called. Pistons needs all the help they can get, my man. They need all the help they can get. And you know what? I don't think they're going to protest this with the NBA just because of where they're at on the season. I don't think they want to get another win. I think they want to be lower and be towards the top of the draft. So I, you know what, Knicks get away with it. We get we get the win. We squeak one out. Uh, I'll I'll take it honestly. If you're the Pistons, it's all about those ping pong balls. This exactly. Time of the year. You want to know the funniest thing that came out of this whole story? What I found out that you know what Asar Thompson's middle name is? What? Uh, you're, this is gonna blow your mind. His middle name it's spelled X L N C. You know what? I did see that. And it's pronounced excellence. Huh. So it's Asar Excellence XLNC Thompson. And you want to know what the crazy thing is? His brother Amen, same middle name. Huh. That could be like a, a clothing brand potentially one day. It is one of the oddest uh, name combos that I've seen in a while. You want to know what another odd name combination is? Hit me with it. To you know who Tony, Tony Dungy's wife is? I do not know who his wife is. His wife is Lauren Dungy. Okay. She is one, uh, she is a set of twins, right? She has a twin brother. You want to know what her brother's name is? Is it Tony? <laughs> it's Lauren. Oh. It's, so one girl was named Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, and the boy was named Lauren, L-O-R-E-N. So they had Lauren and Lauren. That's uh, that's an interesting naming schematic there for a family. <laughs> it would be like naming a boy and a girl Aaron and Aaron, Aaron. 
That just sounds like it'd be confusing, too, when you're trying to yell who's, at your kids. Who's going to answer the phone correctly in that household? <laughs> but I just I read one of Tony Dungy's books. He was in town. Nice yeah, guy. Yeah. As you expect. And uh, I was reading it, and I had to read over that paragraph again. I was like, wait, 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 wait. His <laughs> wife's name is Lauren, and her twin brother's name is Lauren? Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. Not what I would go with if I had the twins, but hey, more power to you. It, it, it's crazy. Uh, now, we owe you a sports news update. All right. So uh, let's get into it. Then. Give it to us. All right. Let's get Hit into me it. with it. <laughs> Today's top headlines for our number two. All right. Well, baseball phenom Shohei Otani wrapped up his first de- debut for the Los Angeles Dodgers in a spring training game. It's his first game in a Dodgers uniform since leaving the Angels, playing at the designated hitter position without pitching this season. We mentioned earlier in the show that he was 0 for 2, but in his third and final at-bat of the day, he hit a two-run opposite field home run, 377 feet, that electrified the Dodgers fans in the crowd. Speaking of baseball, the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons baseball team is taking on the 20th-ranked Indiana Hoosiers currently, and the Mastodons hold a 4-0 lead at the bottom of the fifth inning, so good luck to the Dons as they finish the rest of that game today. The Kansas City Chiefs have informed Legereus Sneed that they are prepared to use the franchise tag and are open to a consummate a trade if no if a if no long-term deal is reached, sources said today. Sneed is agreeable to the scenario, giving him the chance to talk with other teams while the Chiefs remain in play for his services for the 2024 season. Kansas City is expected to use the non-exclusive franchise tag, which would cost about $19 million for the 2024 season. And for the Indiana Hoosiers taking on the Wisconsin Badgers tonight at Assembly Hall. Xavier Johnson, C.J. Gunn, and Trey Galloway are all listed as questionable to play in tonight's contest. And those are your top stories. I believe IU is questionable, period. Just questionable play just, in general. Just questionable. <laughs> um, yeah, look at the Mastodon baseball team. Yeah. yeah. This story uh, of the baseball team with Doug Schreiber, uh, obviously a great success at Purdue. Um, but it comes down to pitching with these guys. Yes. And uh, that's going to be the key for their whole entire season. I mean, in baseball, a lot of it comes down to pitching, but specifically so for the Mastodons over the last few years. Um, it's been making sure you got enough arms for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, that's going to be the, the crux of which their season rests upon. <laughs> um, we got boys sectional basketball tonight. We sure do. And I know you guys on Friday have got a big one coming up. And one of the sectionals that I think is most intriguing here in Northeast Indiana. Absolutely. That would be the Bluffton sectional in 2A. You're talking about uh, some really good teams there tonight. It's going to be South Adams versus Adams Central, one game at 6. Uh, but then on Friday, Manchester versus Whitco at 6. Uh, Bluffton versus Lures at about 8 o'clock. And then uh, that's on Wednesday, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, Blackhawk versus... Most likely Adams Central. Yeah. You're talking about the 2A state champ from last year versus the ACAC champ. And then the winner of Manchester Whitco uh, and then Bluffton Lures playing each other in the nightcap on Friday. I mean, this is one of the sectionals that's uh, uh, most intriguing, I think, here in Northeast Indiana as we get things tipped off in the state of Indiana tonight. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, we'll have both semifinal games coming up on 1380 The Fan on Friday night. And we'll also have the championship game of that sectional on Saturday. But you mentioned it, um, you know, I looking at a possible favorite coming out of that one is just really tough. I mean, Adam Central has been, you know, the cream of the crop in the ACAC. Lures has been very good in the SAC this season. Uh, but, you know, look out for Manchester, you know, but, uh, and you know, Blackhawk Christians, no slouch either. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this sectional. Yeah, you know, Kellen Pickett might be... I think I got to put him up there as one of the candidates for player of the year. He's yeah. tough. He's six foot eight. He's only a junior. He can take it to the rack. He can shoot the three as well. I remember 
game last year where he hit six threes. I mean, and he's starting to get some of that D1 interest. Mm-hmm. It continues to rise. I think he's a player that has a really, um, really bright future. I think he's really just scratched the surface. He made a huge jump from his freshman year to his sophomore year and continues to improve now a junior. Um, so we'll get to see him for at least one more season here in Northeast Indiana. But like his game, Manchester's got a big guy, Gavin Benton, pretty good as well. Uh, Whitco, Chris Benedict, I don't put anything past. No. The old Wapahani Raider, Chris <laughs> Benedict. And then uh, the Truesdales, yeah. both earlier this week, got an offer from Central Michigan. I believe that was their first D1 offer. Both of them, I knew CMU was hot on them um and then bluffton hey why not craig teagle's probably going to hold the basketball um limit the number of possessions he's one of the better coaches in the area um so uh being at home it's not going to be easy and then i really like adam central yeah um you know mcclure at the point guard position the big guy isaac schultz has been one of the best players in the area regardless of of conference or class this season he's six seven he's a lot to deal with um, so just a really, really good sectional from top to bottom. Uh, other sectionals to keep an eye on tonight in 4A, a sectional five at East Noble. Snyder's taking on East Noble in the early. Carroll versus Northside, which a lot of people have as the championship game, essentially. Um, and Carroll beat Northside a couple weeks ago, 66 to 60. So that could be interesting. For a number six sectional at Homestead, you got Wayne versus Southside. If you recall last year, Southside took them down to the wire. It was a 70, a 57, 56 game mm-hmm. in the sectional semifinals. So I know the Archers uh, might not have the win total that you'd like them to have, but Wayne uh, has definitely gotten their best shot in years past. Huntington North and Homestead, uh, first game of the season. Homestead looked pretty good, beat them by 14. But um, Huntington North, throw the Kokomo game out because Flory Badunga beat yeah. Flory Badunga. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they've played a lot. Be- Upset Lures uh, mm-hmm. about a week and a half ago. They've mm-hmm. been playing a lot better basketball. So that should be interesting. And the winner of the Wayne Southside game gets New Haven on Friday. And the winner of the Huntington North Homestead game gets Columbia City, the co eight champ, on Friday. So that sectional at Homestead and the sectional at Bluffton in 2A. Those are the ones that I really have my eye on this week. Um, and you're taking a look at 3 at Woodland tonight. Just one game. Concordia versus Garrett. Uh, the Cadets. Kind of long They've got Hayworth, uh, probably going to take care of business if, if things hold chalk. And then you've got Heritage, Dwenger, Woodland, Leo tomorrow, and the semifinals on a Friday. Uh, 3A tonight, Belmont, the NE8 champ. They got to 20 wins this season, first yeah. year for Peyton Selking. Mm. Uh, Andrew J. They've just been a really good, solid basketball team with James and Filling. And Velez and just it's different guys every night that step up. Uh, they've got Mississinawa at Mississinawa. Um, we'll see how that goes. I like Belmont's chances. Uh, and then 2A, sectional 35 at Westview. You got Westview versus Fremont, Busco versus Prairie Heights. That Westview Fremont game could be interesting, I think. Um, and then we don't have a lot of 1A going on right now, but I really like that Canterbury team, uh, coached by Derek Adams. Now that they've got Tucker Day, uh, and all the pieces, they've mm-hmm. been a different team since they've gotten the entire roster there. They're already in the sectional semifinals Friday after getting a bye, they would face the winner of Southern Wells or Southwood tonight. So we're going to wrap things up coming up after the break. Uh, but for now, that is the Sports Rush here on 1380. Stay with us. This is Maria Marcasano, head women's basketball coach at Purdue Fort Wayne, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 
Maria Marcasano bringing us back. Did you know her brother Mike pitched in the Olympics? No, I did not. For Team Italy, yeah, oh. way back in the day. Italian roots. There you go. There's a little nugget for you at the end of the show. Okay. We've had a lot of fun, man. Adam Lunny, this has been great. Um, Brett should take more days off, right? <laughs> um, no, we talked a little uh, Macedon basketball, yeah. IU hoops. We had Mike Nutter of the Tin Caps on, uh, Jesse Kalicki of the Comets on, uh, Harrison Mevis, I most likely the first kicker taken in the draft this year. That would be my prediction. Um, he joined us gracefully as he gets ready for the NFL Combine down in Indianapolis. Uh, I had some cold stuff I wanted to get to, but we just ran out of time. We were talking about all the kind of good things happening here in, in Northeast Indiana. But uh, I don't want to get crazy political at the end of the show, but obviously the news came out yesterday that Tom Henry, um, unfortunately our mayor, has stomach cancer. And whether you, I don't, I don't care how you feel about the political side of it, how you feel about the governmental side or what he's done um, in that regard. As a human being, our heart goes out to him. Uh, he's been a great ambassador for the city. I- I've lived here almost 16 years now, and every politician is going to have controversial decisions and things people don't agree with. But he's always wanted the best for this city. And the year that he's had with his wife, Cindy, passing and now the stomach cancer which he said uh in his statement uh prognosis is not great um we want to wish him the absolute best we want to wish him the best in his recovery we know he'll fight it and we want to say that his family is in our prayers and in his in our thoughts um i I just can't imagine what he's had to go through over the last year and so we definitely want to wish him the best Wish him as quick and complete a recovery as is possible and give our our thoughts and prayers again to the mayor, Tom Henry, who's been a great supporter of sports in the Summit City. And we wouldn't have a lot of things uh, we do have here without him. So with that, I'm Glenn Marini. He is Adam Lundy on the ones and twos. And this has been the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan.